0: Welcome to the Dayspring Community Church Podcast. Check out our website at dayspringonline.org. And now, Dr. Matt Friedemann. I uh, wanted to give you a quick update, because uh, we, we're, we're moving out, we're doing new things, we're excited about these new things, and it, it's not without, it's an occasional bump in the road. And so we've hit a bump, but it's only a bump, and we think what it is, it may be more than a bump, it's Jesus directing us. So... We have, for a long time, actually since about the first month of this church, um, the first, we did, first ministry we did in this church was to the abortion clinic. The second ministry we did in this church was to the prisoners, and uh, both those happened kind of the first month that we even existed. So we've been out there for 22 years, and I was out there actually probably two, two years before that, took a year off, then uh, started back in with them. So I've been out there for like 25 years. Um, we've been out there for 22 years and Jesus has done some really exciting things, uh, up to and including some of you who sit here with us today and praise God from whom all blessings flow. Uh, we've always known that what we do with these prisoners after they're out isn't the best thing. And a lot of that has to do with a relationship with a local church. We believe everybody coming out of there that made a commitment in there needs to be intimately involved with a, a local church. Not just sort of, I like church somewhere and I'll go to a bunch of them when I get... No, they have a relationship with a local church. And eventually, if they leave here, they they get another church. We get that. But we think the local church is pretty important to recovery. We think getting away from liquor stores across the street are pretty important to recovery. We think getting away from drugs and alcohol, which is frequently uh, visiting these so-called halfway houses, is important that you have a house that's clean. We think it's important to breathalyze and test for drugs from time to time in order that we might be pure within. We think it's important to have regular, celebrate recovery and, and daily, not just weekly, daily Bible studies. We think it's important to have good proximity to day spring. Now, we're not the only game in town. We get that. But we think that Jesus has laid it on our heart to do better. Furthermore, uh, we have had an opportunity to recognize that there's people who are generous in this church that not only have been giving, but that want to give to this cause, that basically we can start off and be ministering from the first day without worrying about debt. So that's huge. Well, all that to say, we've wanted that thing right down there, and we went, as you know, to city council, and we got a four to three vote, mayor breaking the tie, and from that moment... I thought, yay, but I just felt like, but this thing isn't over yet. And sure enough, it wasn't within a couple days where uh, one of these businesses down here uh, lawyered up and said, uh, let's see if everything was done as it should have been done. And so, as you know, if you're watching TV this week and everybody watches a different channel, I like get, but WAPT, the station, by the way, that I have done uh, much work with over the last 20 years. Uh, they come to my house regularly, and you know I'm I'm there debating former governors and and all kinds of people during election time. <clears throat> I've worked with these folks for for years, actually for a couple decades. You would think they'd be able to find me for a differing opinion. <laughs> oh no, we couldn't find Matt Freedom. No idea where he's at. So anyway, so they didn't call. But anyway, a very one-sided presentation of the case. If you saw it, uh, we had it up. You can see it. I don't have a problem. Folks are going, boy, you must be really steamed. I'm not at all. I think this is Jesus leading us. I don't want it there, I think is what he's saying. Now, he might change his mind or change my mind and want it there anyway, but I'm I'm, going to say apparently he doesn't want it there at least now, and so therefore I'm moving you elsewhere. We're looking for land elsewhere, and we think this is a good thing. Not a bad thing. I think this is a good thing. When Jesus leads, we're going to follow. And if it looks like he's leading away from our best plans, we'll leave our best plans and we'll go where he wants us to go. I'm actually really excited about the next step. I'm actually more excited about the next step than I was about this step. I just want you to know that because I think it's Jesus that's leading us. So I'm just being honest with you. I'm throwing it out there for you. One of the biggest reasons why I think it's important for us to have it at another place isn't the danger. I don't think there's any danger at all. I mean, at all. In fact, I think this, that facility down there would make this whole area better. Cleaner, because we'd be out there cleaning it. We'd establish relationships with the businesses. I think they would want to hire us when they're around us. I really do. I think it'd make the whole place better. You say, you're kidding, right? You're just saying that. I'm not saying that. I really think it. Having said that, I get it. Why you, you know, have a problem with it. I get it. So we're going to do something else. But having said that, I just want you to know that I feel like our best days on this issue are yet to come. And I think because Jesus is leading us and guiding us, we've got some really good things that are about ready to happen. I'm not quite sure what those things are, but you'll be apprised. But one of the big issues was if we build it there, then eventually I leave this place, and there comes another pastor, and then another pastor, and then another pastor. And pretty soon they're doing something else with that building, maybe sold it to another entity, and it's no longer used for prisons. It's no longer used for prison aftercare. It's no longer used for recovery. If we develop a 501c3 where Dayspring runs it, basically because they're, they're the majority vote, it stays what Dayspring wants it to stay. So that's kind of what we're going to do. So the Nazarene Church doesn't own it. The 501c3 will, and that's you, and that's me, and there'll be other leaders in the community that are helping along. So I just want you to know this. We've been in the news. When we made the news, I thought, man, that's really biased. And I thought, well, that's media, whatever. I was just so proud of us. If we got to kick up dust, if we got to be on the news, let it be because I was hungry. And you fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me drink. I was sick. And you ministered to me. I was in prison. And you took me seriously. I want to be on that side of the issue, not the other side. Amen? We're on the right side of kingdom history here, y'all. I love you. I'm excited about you, and I'm excited about future prisoners that are going to get out, make a commitment, and then they're going to come here, and they're going to find recovery and help and hope and Jesus. Thank you, Dayspring, for being that kind of people. Okay, let's go here to Luke chapter 1. Now, I'm going to lead you to Acts 1, but we're going to do Luke 1 this week, Acts 1 next week, but there's something here that is utterly and absolutely fascinating to me. And we have preached on this theme before without knowing the word before. Not the word, I mean, there's actually a Greek word that Luke uses where he's obviously tying Luke 1 and Acts 1. The reason I know about this is because I happen to have a son who is one of the leading experts in the nation on the gospel of Luke, Caleb. And Caleb has said, Dad, take this seriously. And so he looked down and I said, well, I haven't said to him, son, I preached on that for years, but I haven't preached on it for years using this word, which ties them together by a single author. Luke wrote Luke. Luke also wrote Acts, and he meant them as a two-volume work. First volume is Luke. Second volume is Acts. He wrote them. He meant them to be read together, and I think there's a word here that ties it together. So Luke 1, verse 35 and following. It says... The angel answered and said to her, now it's Mary we're talking about here. He's talking with Mary saying, something's about ready to happen in your life. And this is what it's going to be. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. All right, so there's a word here, come upon. And the word come upon is a percomai. So, some people say, I hate it when he does this, this whole Greek word thing. I'm sorry, I just have to do it. I like Greek words. Say the word a with me. Say it again, a And a means to come upon, to overcome, to influence, and actually, at its deepest meaning, it means to take over. So the Holy Spirit's going to come on you, overcome you, influence you, take over you, and Jesus is going to come through you. Now, what's fascinating to me is Luke writes the birth narrative of Jesus using this word, a Only two places in the New Testament does this Greek word, aperkame, with the Holy Spirit attached, and it actually happens to someone. And here's one of the places. The second place is in Acts 1, where Jesus is talking post resurrection to the 120. He says, It's not for you to know the times which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has a perkamai. In other words, there's apparently another birth narrative. <laughs> the Holy Spirit comes on Mary and makes her pregnant. And now he's coming on that 120 and he's going to make that church, that group of people, pregnant with the sons and the daughters of God. There are two birth narratives that Luke talks about. Yep, the one about Jesus using that word of Perkamai and then the birth narrative of the church, which is why we call next Sunday our birthday. It's a birth narrative. And Luke is obviously trying to put a match with both birth narratives. And so with Mary in the 120, Jesus is preparing you, Dayspring for Pentecost, with the birth narratives. So let's look at the Holy Spirit. I want to look at the birth of the church next week. This week, I want to look at Mary and just say, if it happened with Mary, does God want it to happen with us? In a different way, the answer to that is absolutely. Five points. Number one, when the Spirit comes upon you, it changes your life <laughs> now. Not theoretically, not maybe, not something, not a little bit. No, 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 no. It changes your life. Now, it changes Mary's life like this. First off, she has God in her womb. Now, that don't change your life. I don't, I don't know. I don't know everything about... You, you women have it all over us. You women... You know what this means to have a baby. And I don't know, you know what that is. I don't know what that means. I don't know how to, but can you, whatever it made you feel like, you think it might have been a little difference between being pregnant and being pregnant with God. So it changed your life. I love to know about morning sickness and all that kind of stuff. When God impregnates you, do you get morning sickness? I have this hunch you do. Having said that, she's got to go tell mom, dad, and Joseph. Yeah, I don't know. How to have that conversation. Mom, Dad, you need to sit down. I got something to tell you. I uh I know that I'm not married yet, but I'm pregnant and God did it. Real quick, just real quick. How do you think that went over? How do you think that discussion went over? What happened in the room when that said, I'm pregnant and God did it? Now, worse than that, maybe not worse than that, but maybe worse. She's got to go now to her betrothed, to the guy she's basically, in our parlance, engaged to, and say, Okay, Joseph, we're not yet married, but I need for you to know I'm pregnant, and it's because God came on me. I'd love to see that. I'd just love to see it. I'd love to see how godly of a man Joseph was in that moment. It would probably be a model for all of us. All I know is, I know what the law says about it. She gets stoned. And because they're under Roman law, and they're probably not going to stone her, although I will tell you, sometimes, like in Acts 7, Stephen got stoned. It was against Roman law. They were so upset with him, they did it anyway. So stoning is a real possibility in this case. Joseph gets mad, hauls off, tells his family, tells the village. Village takes her out, stones her. Is that a possibility? It is a possibility. Or What Joseph does is say, okay, we're going to divorce. Now, divorce means they're not married yet, but they're betrothed, which is the serious step where even at that point, I'll do it quietly. But even then, she's got to live with this village. And Jesus is always going to be known. Remember what they used to call that when we were kids? A bastard child. A child without a daddy being known. And all of a sudden, Mary recognizes my life has changed And oh my goodness, I'm carrying the Son of God, and oh my goodness, my people are going to think I'm a scandal the rest of my life. Y'all, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, I would like to tell you everything is going to get better, but in as much as everything getting better, I want you to know it will get better if better means the presence and the takeover of God on your life. That is better, but it's not easier I will remind you, Stephen, it says in Acts 6, was chosen to be a deacon because he is a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And in the next chapter, he is stoned to death because of that fullness. He is stoned. There are no guarantees, y'all. And that's the point. If I die because the Holy Spirit took me over, I allowed him to take me over, Jesus never says, hey you're going to have wealth and prosperity in this life. You might, but you might be dead in the next chapter too. Both things are possibilities. And so you all, we take all of that in and say, no matter what happens, even if my life gets worse because of it, I want the fullness of the Spirit. I want Him to take over my life. I was telling the prisoners out out there this morning, and I said, say whatever you want about Stephen, but that is pretty stark. One moment he's full of the Spirit, the next moment he's dead. I said, but you know something? All over the world, they celebrate St. Stephen's Day. That account is in the Bible to give us encouragement and to give us strength and to give us hope that there is a life beyond. Because one of the things Stephen does, he looks up and he sees what? Jesus standing. The only time we see that in the Bible, Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father, standing. I don't know. I wish they'd gone a little bit more into it. Come on, Luke, give us some more details, will you? Oh, I'd like to know that Jesus was smiling, even as Stephen is about ready to stone. Jesus is saying, well, see, in just a minute, pal, who here wants to be taken over by the Spirit? It's the presence of God. So awesome in your life. I was a, When I was a kid, we had some real eccentric neighbors, Real eccentric. In the very house where they lived, that house, by the way, that house, that house, the inventor of the microchip was raised in that house, right across the street from my little house on the corner of Foreston, Washington, in Great Bend, Kansas. Jack Kilby, the inventor of the microchip. Now just think about the microchip. Some of you reading your Bibles right now on a microchip-run little computer called an iPhone. Just imagine what the microchip did to the world. That was invented. By a guy named Kilby, who was raised 50 yards from my house. So in that house, eventually, Kilby moved out, and Moses moved in. Eventually come the Comarchs. Comarks were interesting people. Oh, my word. They had pets. Now, most people, if you got a yard, and it's fenced in, a fenced-in yard, most people would say, let's get a dog. Let him run all around the yard. Not these people. They had pet geese. It was the weirdest thing, and I was scared to death of them. Right now, I'm not, I'm not a farm boy. I don't know much about animals. Don't really like them much. All I got is bad, bad experience with animals my whole life, getting bitten and clawed, and I don't like animals. So every home I don't know why I didn't figure out, hey, you can walk across the street, Matt. No, I felt like there was only one sidewalk, and it was right by this fence. And I would go by, and I would look up, and I'm thinking, are they going to attack today? And they would. Those those geese would get their necks up, and they'd go, and I'd freak out. I'd have nightmares about it. Them geese, attack geese. What's hilarious about that is this. The Celtic group, Celtic Christians, they heard about, they read in the Bible about how God lighted upon Jesus like a dove. They thought, dove, dove? were sweet little birds, I don't think God was like a dove. It's, it's, remember it's like a dove. It didn't say a dove, it said like a dove. I thought that's too sweet. That's not the holy hey, forget the dove, we're going for the goose, so their bird wasn't a dove, their bird was a goose. I've always loved that. Here comes the holy spirit in your life ong, ong, ong. wings flapping they're nothing nice but if you' thinking. Guess what? When the Holy Spirit, we all, we all think, oh, he's going to bring me peace and love and joy. And if Galatians is believed, he will. And also trouble and stoning and crucifixion and running for your life and getting cheated economically. Both those things come, you all. Now, in some, we got a, we got a different age than the Roman Empire. I'm not saying all those things will happen if you say, take over my life, Holy Spirit. But I want you to know, don't ask him to unless you're able to say, if that comes my way, I will praise you all the more. I'm sorry about that. I don't know why. It just came to my mind. When I pray for you all by name and your children by name, and I pray for your children's spouses, when I lift your name up to Jesus this morning, I didn't, I didn't know. I just take the next one. I pray over you the Beatitudes one by one. Then I pray over you the fruits of the Spirit one by one. Now, those are my lists for right now. I might get, I might have another list someday, but those are my lists right now. I think that's Jesus in a nutshell. The Beatitudes and the fruit of the Spirit. I got down to the fifth Beatitude today, or, or excuse me, the eighth Beatitude. I thought, really? Now, this would be, this would be, I've done this many times, but just this morning I thought, Boy, I can't believe I pray this over my people. But Lord, I want you to bless Miss Shirley. I don't want you to, I want her to have joy in persecution. I prayed that. Virginia, prayed it for you too. Steve, I prayed it for you. Gerard? Debbie? When persecution comes from your marriage, I prayed it for you. Joy in persecution. What kind of nutcase prays that for their people? This nutcase. Because I believe that's the gospel. That's the picture of Jesus, and that's when when tough times come, we'll be so full of the Spirit. It doesn't matter if persecution comes. He will have taken over our lives and we'll be just fine. That's the first thing. Second thing is this. Number one, when the Spirit comes upon you, it'll change your life now. Doesn't mean it'll get easier, but it'll change it with his presence. Number two, when the Spirit comes upon you, it will bring forth the Son of God. So when she gets pregnant the son of god and when you take on that holy spirit when you say yes i want to be taken over he's going to ask you even today even today even this morning even in these next few moments will you let me take you over and if you say yes from you will come the son of god for every situation that you're in even this week every situation you're in the son of god will come forth from your life now in this passage god is siring a physical son, impregnating Mary. That changes life. Most of all, it brings forth all the changes of motherhood. Any new mother I have ever known loves, 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 loves her child. But boy, oh boy, is this ever a challenge. Amen, mothers? But even in the challenge, isn't it a beautiful thing to know that from my parenting will come forth this child that's going to have a relationship with the Son of God and be full of the Spirit. And this child will change the world, his world, for the glory of God. And that 50 years from now, 100 years from now, the world will be different because of what's happening in this home with this child and my parenting of this child. Wow, that's it. That's the hope. That's a dream. Of little Noah Crenshaw, that is the dream. So to us today, I'm, I'm um, teaching a class on um, church planting. And that means every night I'm in front of a computer screen and talking with guys, many of them Africans, many of them, some of them Americans. But this week we had a Mexican a guy named Roberto Stevenson on. Roberto, as you know, my friend, your friend, Roberto has planted, he said, 71, two maybe, 71 churches that are still kicking and living. He said, now there's 30 that didn't make it. So we're talking about 100 churches this church has planted. 71 still kicking. And I thought, man, talk to us about church planting. I want to know more about church planting from you. And uh, so we're all done with the interview. I'm about ready to say, okay, Roberto, see you later, pal. And he won't let me. He says, wait a minute, one more thing, one more thing. man. He one more things me about three times. One more thing. And the last one more thing was this. One more thing, Matt. If you're going to be a church planter, remember this. Open your mouth and God will fill it. That's right out of the Psalms. Open your mouth, and God will fill it. <laughs> so I got a question. What's that mean? I just said, you know, all these students. I said, what's that mean, Roberto? He says, well, it means this. He says, when you receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, when you get full of the Holy Spirit, when you allow the Holy Spirit to totally take over your life, then you need to start opening up your mouth. And you say, well, I don't know what to say. God will fill it. But there's too many church planters that think they can plant a church. Too many Christians that think the, the world's going to get better if we just stay tight-lipped. Open your mouth, and I will fill it with my words, with my testimony. I will fill it with holiness and with righteousness and with goodness, but I can't do it if your mouth is closed. Open it up! Same thing with, uh, with cars. You know, God, I always say, hey, God can't steer a parked car. So get moving and let him steer you in the right direction. Same thing with your mouth. If you're going to have God inside of you, the only way that that God's going to get out of you is by your mouth. But i also say this. Don't just open up your mouth. Open up life. And through your life, he's going to do extraordinary things. Number one, when the Spirit comes upon you, it changes your life now. Number two, when the Spirit comes on you, it brings up. The th- it will, will bring forth the Son of God for everything you're involved with this week. Number three, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, it will heighten the full range of emotions. Now, I'm just looking down at this passage saying, what's, what's this passage say to me? Y'all, a lot of people think when Christianity comes in, it makes you dull. Takes away, you know, come on, we used to party. We, used, Oh, man, we, we still party. We still have joy. We still have laughter. We just choose using it in a different way. So we believe in the full range of emotions. In this, in this thing here... Mary is awed, like, well she, you know, an angel shows up in your life at age 13, 14, 15, and all of a sudden says, hey, we're going to impregnate you with God. You good? I'm your servant. Well, I'm your servant? Well, that's amazing, but that's awed-filled. When sharing the news with family, there must have been anxiety. So she's, she's awed. She has anxiety. And then we see her with Elizabeth, and there's joy. Elizabeth's going to be the... The, the mom is the mom of John the baptizer, still in the womb. There's joy. With here, this baby, Jesus, becomes a toddler, then a little boy, then a teenager, then an apprentice to Joseph, then a rabbi, then someone who was hated, then someone who was persecuted, then someone who was murdered, then someone that rose from the dead, then he ascends into heaven. I mean, do you think a mom doesn't feel the full range of emotions and all of that? You bet she does. And she feels it all the more because of this spirit that has taken her over. There's laughter. There's fear. There's tears. All the emotions. This shouldn't surprise us. When Jesus speaks of his own character in the Beatitudes, he speaks both of blessed are those who mourn, and you will have joy in persecution. You're going to have the full range of emotions. That's what happens when the spirit comes. It doesn't deaden you. It makes you come alive like never before. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who have hearts broken over the things that break the heart of God. See, that's what I really wish WAPT would have shown. One of you giving testimony with tears in their eyes saying, man, we just want to help guys who've been cut off from hope, who've been cut off from family. Some of them cut off from justice. And we just want to help. We want to let them know about Jesus. That's what I wish WAPT would have shown because that's you and me. That's Dayspring. Our hearts are broken over the things that break the heart of God. But as you're going to see next week, but we have great joy and great laughter. We can send the kids out and back to jump around. We can have red balloons and cake. We can eat and laugh. It's the full range of emotions that the spirit of the living God brings into our lives. Then this, when the spirit comes, the outcome is going to change the world. It happened when Mary... Jesus changed the world. It happened with the early church. The sons and daughters that come out of the day of Pentecost changed the world. The decisions you are making right now are going to change the world today because the Spirit is talking with some of you today saying, this is your day. Today, I want to take you over, but I'm not going to do it without your permission. Let me take you over. Let me come on your life, the Perkamai and change you absolutely. And so the decisions you're making here even today, Whether you allow the Spirit to take control, absolute control of your life. Will you let the Spirit have, really and totally have, your family, your career, your money, your sexuality, your past, your future, you, everything. David Sheffield has a common experience out at the penal farm. He loves to ask from time to time, Hey, how many of you have ever heard from the Holy Spirit and just said, no. And here David tells it, every hand typically goes up. That's my life. I've heard him, but I said no. Heard him again, said no. Heard him again, said no. But eventually, when you say yes, you're going to change the world. The last thing is this. The Spirit only comes upon the willing. Austin, we need some music here, if you don't mind. Is Austin with us? Josh, thinking think you can handle it? No. You all, I want you to know right now, the spirit doesn't attack you with your permission he takes over with your permission and he's asking you some of you've never had this experience before but he's asking you will you let me take over and i believe some of you are walking with jesus right now but you haven't let the spirit take you over you say well that's not what i believe i believe that that salvation that's basically a deal you're that's not what this church believes this church believes that you ask Jesus into your life and you start walking with him. And as Kenlaw says, Dennis Kenlaw, you've got to walk with Jesus a while to find out how deep of a sin problem you really have. And so they walk with Jesus for three years. And at the end of three years, guess what? They betray him. <laughs> three years with the greatest teacher in human history, God Himself, and they betray him. And then they deny him. And then when He needs people, it be nice to just show up at the cross and cry. They're not there. John's there. Everybody else has run. Three years of Jesus, and that's the kind of life you're living? And that's why Jesus says, you need to wait, because something else is going to happen, and that something else is going to be the spirit of the living God. That spirit, with your permission, will take you over, will fill you up, and then that will be enough to change the world. And they did it. That's what happened, you all. That's what happened. They'd walk with Jesus. It wasn't enough. They had Jesus, a personal relationship with Jesus. Isn't that how we sell salvation all the time? You can have a personal. They had one. But there's something else that had to happen. And that's what the day of Pentecost is. The something else happened. Oh, my goodness. And you all, you can experience that for yourself. You can say, Lord Jesus Christ, I understand you sent that spirit, that third person, not just a thing, not just an it, but a person, the third person of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you sent that Holy Spirit to change me, to take me over, that I might be extraordinary for you, and that the world might be different. And I get it, Lord Jesus. It might mean that I have to die for this cause. I'm willing. But it might mean that you set me up like Billy Graham, Billy Graham had this experience out in California. The spirit moved on him mightily in California as he was out there on a crusade. He had a crisis of faith. He prayed to God. God did work in him. And from then on, it was a whole different ball game for Billy Graham. God wants to do that for you. He's asking today, let me take you over. I did it in Mary. I did it with the early church. I want to do it again. What crazy church in Mississippi would say, Hey, yeah. Count on not That's us. Come on. Come on. Wouldn't it be great to have 100% participation in, come on, take us over. Lord Jesus, here we are. We need you. We have to have you. We celebrate this day of Pentecost, these last seven days of counting up the days, because, Lord Jesus, you want to do an extraordinary thing in us. And I don't know if there's anybody right now that would like to come up to this altar. Everybody just stand right now. And... Uh, I just wonder if there's anybody here that says, you know, I've heard that spirit talk to me. In this service, I heard him say, I want to take you over. Anybody like to come pray? Just feel released from where you're at right now and come pray? Anybody want to come pray? Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, some of us have heard you, and we do not want to say no. We want to say yes.